Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by Johnny Bergen. Are you actually in Chicago at the moment, Johnny? No, I'm down here in New Orleans. Um, I'm spending some time with my mom. She lives in Gretna, which is just across the river, about 10 minutes away. I'm actually at my mom's right now. Right. And uh, so it's a good time for some family time. And You know, I moved away from Chicago in, in 2016. I went out to the West Coast, and we decided to uh, come over and spend, spend this time with my mom. Right. I've I've not been to New Orleans for a couple of years, but it, a city that's got a certain atmosphere, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it was about a 25-hour drive from Portland, Oregon. Right, right. That was an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned the name as the Worldwide West Side Guitar Man. Is that a badge you wear with pride? I just started, I was traveling so much, especially the last four years. And, you know, in, in the States, pretty much the whole audience is for blues is it's all boomers and even though there's there's always a crop of younger musicians coming up i mean there's there's plenty of good musicians who are in their 20s but the audience is all boomers and i you know when i go and play in places like spain and stuff there'd be younger people in the audience and in latin america things like that and i just thought man it's time to like you know it's time to diversify so that's my last record is called no border blues that my partner stephanie came up with and that's like the first American compilation of the underground Japanese blues scene. And that's a neat little scene of people of all ages. There's a lot more women in the scene because it's not that competitive. So we kind of documented that scene. And I just want to stick to making the blues tent a little a little bigger, um, helping recognize some of these people because I don't think they get that much recognition in the States or quite as much as American blues artists do. Well, it, it's just, one thing we've been trying to do on this show from day one is just show how international the blues is. And we've interviewed people from Brazil, Croatia, Lithuania, all over the place. So when I saw your recent album and that had come from Japan, I thought, oh, I've never interviewed anybody from Japan before. So that that was the leading for me. Well, I'm happy you feel that way. Thank you so much. I mean, some people, you know, really want to hear what they've already heard. And some people... Everyone's on a spectrum of how much newness they want, you know? And I just want to kind of push it a little bit. And I was so proud to play with those people, and I wish I could have included more people. You know, that that could have been a three-record set, because there's, there's lots of good people that, that, you know, weren't on the record for one, one reason or another. And uh, I was just proud to play with them. And they were kind of really shocked that it, they were so surprised and happy it came out on Delmark, and they were really honored. So it was just a really nice, really nice thing. Really proud of the way it came out. Like you say, you've been traveling for a good few years now, and you've traveled all over the place. Does it still surprise you how international the blues is? It does, but, you know, this music is so good, it just won't go away. And everyone has kind of a different take on it, and, you know, the genie is really out of the bottle. It's like you have to acknowledge the history of the blues, and you really need to be cognizant, and everyone sort of has to grapple with and really do their best to understand where it comes from but as an art form anyone can employ it to say what they want to say and the blues is really basic and gut level and it just moves people and it it, it moves people from all, all over and and this is just a response to that 
but it, when you see it, when you meet all these interesting people and see what they do, to me, that's just really, it is always surprising and fun and, uh, and stimulating. And it's, it's, I'm proud to be a part of it. There are people from the early days of recording, the, the early historians who went round in America to the, the towns and the little villages and hamlets and whatever, recording people. And that's how we got some of the music that we listen to now. Do you see that's your role for the future, maybe? <laughs> That'd be pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You know, that's that that would be what a what a grand project. So is there a country that you've not been to yet that you you want to explore? I'd like to do some things in South Asia, Southeast Asia. You know, I've never been to China. I'd like to get a little more exotic, you know, and we shall see. Never been to the Balkans. I was saying before we actually started recording, I was uh, recently chatting with your friend Johnny Iguana, and he's played in the Middle East, and that's somewhere that you don't really think of as having a blues scene. That's true. And there, there's a young guy here in Memphis now named Jad Tariq. Um, I can't recall his last name. He plays some with Tony Holiday, and I mean, he's the only person of Middle Eastern extraction in the United States that I know that plays blues. And I think there's maybe three people. Actually, I guess there's a couple more now that I think about it. But yeah, the Middle East would be really, really interesting. Well, um, we've been talking who knows? about. I mean, it's it's just I'm just glad that we started on this. This is a great. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this out for the rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, we're talking about blues all around the world. We need to talk about you. I mean, you uh, started out on Chicago's West Side, didn't you? Yeah, I went to University of Chicago, and I, I met a, a guy who was playing with Tail Dragger, a great harmonica player named Dave Waldman, and he played with Big Smokey, Jimmy Rogers, and he was a DJ in WHBK. I became a DJ there, and when I when I went out to the, to this little club on the west side, it was the first time I would heard like a black blues band playing for black people, and it kind of the skill fell from my eyes, and I I sort of saw it the way it the way it was meant to be seen, and it was just it just blew my mind, and I, I was already interested in blues, but that's when it really came to life, and it wasn't just something from records and reading liner notes and reading about it. It was kind of right there, and you're right there where you could smell it, you know. Yeah. And um, Tail Dragger gave me a start, which he certainly didn't have to. We're still friends today. We've, we've worked together for 30 years now. There's something I picked up on recently, chatting with somebody I wasn't going to quote, uh, Elvin Bishop. He said that you are damn good. But he was saying when he first went to Chicago with the likes of Charlie Musselwhite, the established blues players would show them how to play the blues. And in my ignorance, I thought there would have been a certain resistance between the different races. But apparently, if you're a musician, you're a musician. That's it. They'll share their licks and things. Yeah, or at least teach by example. You know, like little Smokey, I'd watch him play. And, you know, he'd give me, like, he'd play something, and he'd give me a little look, like, did you see that, you know? I mean, yeah. It was kind of done in an informal way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's music is universal, and, and if they see your, your attitude... That, that, you know, they're good at reading people. You know, they see you want to learn. And, and you know, of course they respond to that, you know. Yeah. So that that was the same experience that I had. So, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm really fortunate about that. So from those meetings with Tail Dragger, you went on to play with Pine Top Perkins, Sam Lay, Billy Boy Arnold. You must have been like a kid in the candy shop. 
Oh my God! Every day was like Christmas to me. Yeah, there was always something fun to do. There was always somebody to see. You know, every it was just a grand adventure that never ended. And you were nominated for a BMA back in 2017 for Howling at Greaseland. Yeah, I did that right after a Japanese tour, and I was just feeling on the top of the world. And I recorded that record in five hours. Wow! <laughs> I got to brag a little bit about that, <laughs> and because uh, they're just so good, they just they just nailed it, you know. And um, that record kind of, I think it kind of made me cool again. So that was me. It was it was just fun to, and also. It was fun to, I'd done everything in Chicago, but previous to that, and it was fun to sort of recontextualize yourself. Yeah. Like I did something, I did a record with Paul Delay. He was kind of very famous and well-known in the Pacific Northwest. And I guess he'd finally done everything there was to do there. So he came to Chicago and did a record, Delay Does Chicago. And that record did really well. So that was always in the back of my mind that I should go somewhere else and play with totally different people and get a different slant on things. And then Aki Kumar, you know, we did a lot of touring. We played some in England, too, with uh, Giles Robson, arranged some shows. You were saying that you you were listening to blues before you really got into it, but your father taught you guitar, and he was a folk musician, wasn't he? Yeah, and he taught me how to play. I was in a play. He was an actor, and I was in a play, and I had to play guitar on stage, and that was the end of my acting and the beginning of guitar playing. So what was it about the blues that drew you away from folk music? Because I'm guessing you were surrounded by folk music in your youth. Yeah, I liked all kinds of music. I was I was trying to learn a song every day. I would just come home from school and start playing guitar and um, play guitar until I went to bed. It was just something to do with all my uh, energy. I was kind of fidgety. Probably drove my mother crazy. Yeah, she's nodding over there. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so finally I had something to do, you know, that I wanted to do. And I just learned every, I just learned anything and everything because I was just trying to unlock the guitar. And then, you know, once I got to Chicago and, and saw that Tail Dragger show, then that's when I decided to focus. And I went and played with with them, and, and the, it was a disaster because, you know, everything I did was just a, a mishmash of, of like just a drunk store in the kitchen sink, you know? I mean, it was, and, you know, it wasn't coherent. So that's when I learned, that's when I realized I, I had to sort of throw everything away and start all over brick by brick and and that kind of turned myself into a blues player and then when I once I went on the road with Sam Lay that was a that was kind of a funny story um I was jamming with this bass player we used to get together and try to play like Django Reinhardt songs and swing songs and things and all of a sudden he said hey Sam Lay's guitar player and bass player just quit you know why don't you call him up and I didn't have his number I called up Big Smoke, uh, Little Smokey Smothers, and got his number. I called up Sam, and he's like, "Oh, I heard about you. Um, why don't you guys just come on over?" So we drove to the West Side and went down this and, and come on over and bring your guitar. So you know, he had a string bass, my buddy, and I had my guitar. And we, we went to Sam's house, went down to the basement, and he said, "Okay, play me something." So we played a "Hold It" by uh, Bill Doggett, and we played "Hideaway" by Freddie King. And I was so nervous, you know, I was yeah. almost shaking in my shoes, you know. And uh, he said, okay, you guys start on Friday and you need to wear a suit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was, and, and he he just, he turned me into a real guitar player. We we, we went coast to coast and um, just having to play at, just try to play at his level, you know, mm. um, was great. And it was nice to be able to learn it. Like I didn't have to sing, I didn't have to worry about booking shows, I didn't have to worry about 
any of that. I just had to worry about playing what Sam needed me to play. And that's all I, that's all I had on my plate for two years, you know? So, so I, I, I was the kind of, I couldn't learn it all at once, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some kids now and they're, they're great. Like young lady, Dahlia Volt, she's a, she's a great front person. She writes her songs, you know, she's a, she's a solid player and she's so young, you know, but I had to learn it piece by piece by piece by piece. I first had to learn the bass lines. Then I had to learn like all the songs that Sam did and just the guitar. And then finally I started getting my own band and learning how to put a actual set together. So, you know, it, it just took me a long time. Yeah. But that Sam Lay story is a sort of example of how blessed you've been because you were signed to Delmark after one of the guys saw you, just one set of you performing. Yeah. Well, we had a good crowd there, you know, so we, we had a really good crowd every Monday night. <laughs> and um, we had Jimmy Burns, just a great singer, and that, that built, you know, it was, that was a good time. That was just my 20s. It was just a lot of fun. And uh, the Monday night was just a place to be, and everybody would come by there and sit in, like Jesse Fortune and Bark and Bill, and all kinds of people. Mm. It was it was just a a lot of fun, and uh, you know I'm I'm lucky that that uh, Delmark gave me a shot, and uh, you know I'm still at Delmark now. It's new management, but uh, you know I've had a Delmark's been a big part of my career. They sort of put me on the map. Coming up to the present day, your new album, No Border Blues, that's also inspired a sort of side project where you've set up a Facebook page called No Border Blues for international blues players, DJs, anybody interested in the blues, haven't you? Yeah, we've got that. And then I, um, Stephanie and I do a podcast. It's just a YouTube video podcast, and uh, it's going to come out on Megaphone as well, um, the Megaphone podcast platform. So twice a month, we interview an international blues artist. And we've done Trick Bag from Sweden. We've done Katie Bradley from Folkestone, UK. Mm-hmm. She's a really good singer. She did a really nice record with Chris Corcoran. And the last time I was in the UK, she promoted um, a really nice show at, in Folkestone for me. And we, we've done Aki Kumar, Ashes Dengal from Nepal, and Jesus on a Tortilla from Milan, which is like a, they're like, their favorite band is Babyface Leroy. They're like, I'm kind of a purist, but they're super purist, yeah. you know? And I just love the fact that there's a super purist, you know, harmonica band from Milan, you know? Mm. And uh, they're great guys, and we've done shows together. So that's a fun thing to do, because I really think, you know, in order in order for the blues to keep keep hanging on and hanging in there, we really need to, we need to make it more inclusive. And it shouldn't be about, like, how well do you speak English or how well do you conform to, like, this or that notion of American blues, it should just be uh, if it's musically good and interesting. So that that's what it's all about, and it's it's a lot of fun to recognize some of my international blues peers. Mm. You were saying that there is a young generation coming through now, a younger generation of musicians and blues lovers. Yeah, I think so. So you know, I'm just we're trying to start a, a little platform, and and you know push it along and and um have fun doing it so that's what i've been working on and i'm also i'm also uh, getting songs together for a mostly instrumental record because all my records over the years have been different i mean each one has sort of had a different agenda and i want to do something called guitar fiesta and make it mostly a guitar instrumental record mm. that'll be fun there's always something fun to do you know yeah when the world gets back to a, a certain normality would you 
perceive an international blues festival somewhere? Would you be able to organise something like that? That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. I can imagine that would be really cool. The logistics of it would be a nightmare, but it would be so wonderful to see. Yeah, well, well, we'll need sponsors. The big challenge is just getting it paid for. You know. Yeah. Uh, you have this new project lined up. Uh, do you have a start date for that, or is it just as and when things are okay to go in the studio? Oh, well, I'm just working on, I'm just sort of drawing it out. And, you know, the more you can prepare outside the studio, the quicker things can go inside the studio. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but it'll definitely come out in 2021. Are you penciling in tour dates for next year, or are you just waiting to see what happens? I've got just a few things, and I will be rebooked at the Chicago Blues Festival. Um, and I'll go back to Japan, I mean, because I had a Japan tour that, you know, was booked. That'll get rescheduled. Chicago Blues Festival will get rescheduled. i got a festival in Kansas City. But we'll see. It's really wait and see, wait and see. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time out to do this. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful chat, and I wish you every success with the No Border Blues Facebook page, any initiatives you've got like that. If we can bring people together in this love of the blues, then that's all good as far as I'm concerned. Oh, thank you so much. One thing I should mention real quick is that I've been teaching at the Chicago Blues Network, and uh, that's a really neat place to learn kind of... We do Zoom Zoom classes once a week, and it's a really good place to, to learn um, about Chicago blues. Uh, Joanna Connor's also on the faculty. Billy Flynn, the guitarist, who I, I took lessons from Billy Flynn when I was a college kid. Dave Spector, Harlan Turson, the bassist, John Katke, the piano player, so, and a guitarist. He's played with Otis Rush. So that's been something I've been doing, too. I, I meant to get to that, and some people around the world sign up to that then? Oh, yeah. And we've had students from, from uh, the UK as well. Uh, that would be um, just Chicago Blues Network. You can see they have a, a website and then they have a Facebook page and there's a link to it on my site. And um, also uh, check out Johnny Bergen Live. That's the name of my live record. It's, that's my fan Facebook page. Um, that's That'll uh, keep people abreast of what I'm doing and where I'm at and, and what's going on. Excellent stuff. You are indeed a busy man. We need to do this again sometime because there's so much that we've just touched the surface of. Anytime. It's a privilege to be on your show. Thank you for doing what you do. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always listen again. I'll see you next time. Take care.